0: This thing happened to me again. I went surfing with my buddy Scott and Brent this morning again. As I get out of the water and we're getting ready, random lady walks up to me. She starts showing me pictures of on her on her phone of surfing, and it was it was. Uh, she was with her husband. They're both retired. They're just going for a stroll on the beach, like what retired people sometimes do. And and then and then she's showing us pictures, and she's being really friendly. And then. As we're about to leave, she drops the J word on me. Scott had already left, but she drops the J word on me. and She, she goes, "We we believe in Jesus, and and we believe uh, he loves us, and we love him." And 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 I go, "Oh, <laughs> why didn't you say so?" I didn't say that part, but I said, "I said I know him. I know Jesus. He speaks to me. I speak to him. It's great." And so there was this moment of uh, wow. And and then her husband walked over. And they were just so tender-hearted and so loving. And then they said, hey, Ryan, how can we, how can we pray for you? And I was, I was at a loss for words at that moment. I go, I'm sorry. I'm never, I'm never at a loss for when people want to pray for me. I always have something to say, but right now I'm just kind of like caught back. And then I said, there it is. There it is. You can pray. That God would continue to love my wife and my children, I have four children, through me. And I, I just went like this, I close my eyes, I'm not going to close my eyes now, but I said, through my tone of voice, through my touch, through the gentleness of my hands, may they experience God's gentle, patient touch through me and and they they were i mean they were so um, touched by that and then they surrounded me and they came over and then he's like the guys tall guy and she's uh, taller than me as well I and mean, they come over and they and they lay hands on me and then they just pray that and then the guy i mean he was obviously had a lot of wisdom and and as a guy that's retired and he's lived a lot of life but i i just felt that they were conduits of God's grace and his truth and I, I just can't get enough of that. I mean I had tears down my eyes and she was she was crying as well. she was just so blessed that um, someone would pray that when she asked, I'm sure they asked that a lot but she asked, well how can we pray for you? it was well, pray that God demonstrate his love towards my, my family. As He has been. I mean, God's been doing an amazing job of loving Him lately through me. So with that, I want to talk about it. So it's Friday, right? I've had such a good week. I mean, one of the best weeks I've ever had. I've been in the Spirit. I've been totally confident at work. I've been productive. And so one night, it was three nights ago now, I was explaining to my wife I had some fear at work. We're sitting down. I had some fear, but I said, you know what? Why am I scared? I'm going to go and talk to someone about this. And I told my wife, and I did, I talked to someone about something that I was scared to, and they were totally receptive. And then she goes, my wife goes, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she she grabs her phone and she goes, I've been praying for you. I got this new prayer app, and, and it, it shows me, you just swipe the name and has the name of the person in the prayer. And her prayer for me, she started this this week. <laughs> Everything she'd been praying for, productivity at work, that I'd be freed up from things that I don't need to be doing, and then um, narrowing on a topic of a, of a project I have going, um, some some writing stuff. I'm, I'm writing a book, and I've been getting clarity and all those things, and all those things were on her prayer request. I, I so believe in... And prayer coverage in the power of invoking the most powerful being in the universe. And so I felt, I felt that, and I thought that was such a tremendous thing that my wife would download this app, start praying for specifics in my life, and then these things are coming to fruition. Um, and God is, God is answering those prayers. So just some cool things all week. Um, and then when those, when that couple asked to pray for me, I, I said, man, let's let's cover my wife and kids as well. Let's cover them. And then so I also add, I mean, I, I could never get enough of this prayer. I'll never stop praying this prayer. This will be the most prayed prayer of my life, I believe, at least for the next, whatever, 18 years, is Lord, love my children through me. Lord, love my spouse through me. Lord, demonstrate your loving kindness through me. And then it's easy for me to just die to myself. All right, what's next on the on the agenda here? I wanna share this book. bam The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Timothy Keller, AKA Dr. Tim Keller. This is amazing. So I was just sitting in the lobby. I finished the whole thing in one sitting. It took me like 30 minutes. And in, in R-Bar style, look, how, look at everything that's in there. I mean, I've highlighted the crud out of this thing. So what the freedom of self-forgetfulness is, is this based off of a passage in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, and, it, and, it, and Paul's talking in there. I won't read it. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, let's be safe. But the basic premise is it's not about thinking too highly of yourself or thinking too lowly of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. So Paul... His his mindset in First Corinthians 3, chapter 3 and 4, is I don't care what you think about me, but even more than that, I don't care what I think about me. Because all I care about is what the gospel tells me who I am and what the Lord thinks of me. So he's talk it's about that complete freedom. And there is oh man, I have to read this. There's so many there's so many good quotes in here. Like for instance, people with with high, I'll put this over here, people with high self-esteem pose a greater threat to those around them than people with low self-esteem. So if someone's thinking too highly of themselves, well, nobody wants to nobody wants to be around them. There's something poisonous about that. Um, and if someone thinks too lowly of themselves, well, they're also thinking about themselves too much. So, in both, both cases, when someone thinks too highly of themselves, or thinks too lowly of themselves, they're still thinking about themselves. So, I love the end of the book. He, he, he cites Romans 8, 1, and it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, he talks about, the end wraps up so, so, um, so well, in saying that the verdict is over. So this whole, he talks a lot about the ego, right? And, and how the ego is inflated the ego is hurting and the ego is always drawing attention to itself like a stub toe. Like nothing on my body hurts, um, nothing on my body draws attention to itself unless it hurts. So the ego is busted up and broken, which is why it's always drawing attention to itself. So here's, here's how it draws attention to itself, from what I remember in this sitting from right now, is the ego's always comparing itself to other people or prideful than another person. So he said here, pride's really not the issue. The issue is not being proud that one has money. The issue is, what's really going on is that I'm proud that I have more money than the next person. See if someone has pride in their looks and they think they're good looking, it's not he's Timothy Keller saying that they're not really proud that they're good looking. They're just proud that they're better looking than someone else that they're looking at in the room. Because all of a sudden someone better looking than them comes in the room and then all that that pride's instantly gone. So he says pride is not the issue. It is being more being proud that he's better than than someone else. Um but he just talks about the freedom of putting all that aside. Like, I don't care what I, what I think about myself. I care about what the Lord thinks about me. And quite frankly, I don't care what you think about me because I, I can't. The Lord has said I'm, I'm free. There's no condemnation. So when my ego starts getting inflamed and puffed up and saying, hey, look at me, and he's trying to, it's drawing attention to itself, I simply go back to who I am, my identity in the gospel. As if my identity is in Christ, Romans 8:1, and that there's no no condemnation. Um, I never see need to see myself through through condemnation ever again. If I'm if I'm completely set free, I'm completely set free. So I, I'm not um, not summarizing this as well as I as I as I want to. So I'll pull over and I'm gonna. Read some more of this passage for me. It's such a such a good book. Uh, and you know what? Believers and non-believers alike can they can relate to this thing because I mean who who can really say that they that they're not either comparing themselves uh, to other people or or judging you know, themselves. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. So this book applies to everybody. All right. What else do we have here? Oh yeah. Chapter one's about the natural condition of the human ego. Uh-huh. He says the the ego is struggling with four things. It's empty. It's painful. It's busy and it's fragile. So, it's empty, meaning it. Uh, It's always trying to fill itself. It's always trying to fill itself. Um, Soren Kierkegaard says, it is the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. Oh man, that's totally, that's idolatry. Thinking I need something more than God. So I'm thinking about telling my kids, I need you to obey me. That's not true. According to Soren Kierkegaard, I always think that because, well, the ego is, is, um, sick. It's empty. Okay. Secondly, the ego is also painful. It is overinflated and the ego is painful. That's, what I said about that is it is broken. The ego is often hurting. This is because something has gone incredibly wrong with it. So that goes back to the fall, Adam and Eve sinned and all of a sudden the ego is broken and everybody. It's always drawing attention to itself. It's never happy. Thirdly, the the ego is incredibly busy. In other words, it's always drawing attention to itself. It's incredibly busy trying to fill the emptiness. And it is incredibly busy doing two things in particular, comparing and boasting. That's what I talked about. Um, here. You know, when I think about comparing myself and, and boasting, I mean, I, as I was sitting in the lobby, I was, I was comparing and boasting. It's like I was looking around and I was like, oh, uh, you're wasting your time, you're on a device. Well, what are you doing, playing a video game? Well, those two kids aren't even looking at each other. They're on their iPhones and look how much better I am. I'm reading a book and it's a Christian book. I mean, it's the ego, that's, oops. Yeah, that's the ego. That's the ego totally saying, look at me, I'm painful, but, but that's not who I am in the gospel. So I put, that, I put that to death and I go, I'm not better than anybody. I'm not better than anybody. Pride is the pleasure of having more than the next person. We talked about that. Lastly, the ego is fragile, This is the fourth thing. A superiority complex and inferiority complex are basically the same. The person with a superior, superiority complex is overinflated and in danger of being deflated. The person with an inferiority complex is deflated already. He says, to be deflated means you were previously inflated. Deflated or imminent danger of being deflated, it's all the same. And it makes the ego fragile. So he says, it's, it's empty, it's painful, it's busy, and therefore fragile. And then he cites Madonna, who was, who was cited years ago in Vogue magazine, saying my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre it's always pushing me I push past the spell of it and discover myself as a special human being but then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninterested unless I do something else because even though I have become somebody I still have to prove that I am somebody my struggle has never ended and I guess it never will and he I love what he does here he doesn't put her down he says actually Madonna's better than than most of us because she actually she knows herself and she's confessing and she admits it I mean a lot of people especially especially in the church where did this attitude come from of oh you know what someone needs to hear this message and it's it's like it's not for me it's for somebody else like yeah I've done it all the time I go I hope my wife's paying attention to this because this is for her but at least Madonna here is, is homo legeo. She's, she's same saying. She's confessing what she's going through. I mean, Madonna, this is amazing. This is, this is where healing begins. Uh, so, Madonna, if you're listening to my podcast, um, man, the answer's in the gospel. Jesus died. No condemnation. Romans 8.1 one. I can be totally satisfied and never win another Grammy or Emmy. I don't know what's for music. Oscar? I don't know. I could never win an award ever again and still be okay because I'm affirmed in him. Oh, man, that's some that's some beautiful freedom. Madonna, believe in Jesus, not just for heaven, but so that heaven can come and live in you and you can be totally satisfied never accomplish anything in your life and still be satisfied. Wouldn't that be cool, Madonna? I mean, Justin Bieber did it. He gave his life to the Lord and look at him now. This kid's thriving. Also, if Justin Bieber wants to come on the show, let's do the interview. I would, I would love that. And, uh, this is so good. Oh, it talks about a person who is truly gospel humble, is indicated in how much they're interested in you, not talking about themselves. I automatically thought of a couple people. Mark and Dan, two guys who are always so concerned with me. I think it's amazing. Lord must have touched them. Oh, look at this. Look at this. He talks about wouldn't you like to be the skater who wins the silver medal and yet is thrilled about those three triple jumps that the gold medal winner did? To love it the way you love a sunrise, to love the fact that it was done not matter whether it was their success or your success, not to care if they did it or you did it. You are as happy as you are as happy that they did it as if you had done it yourself because you are just so happy to see it. That's beautiful man That's, that is freedom right there. Here's a summary statement of, of chapter 2. This is gospel humility, blessed self-forgetfulness. Not thinking more of myself as in modern cultures or less of myself as in traditional cultures, but simply thinking of myself less. So it's like someone can cut me off and I'm not going to go, how dare you offend me. Someone could say something to me and I go, how dare you insult me. So here, here for in my in our bar's words, right? If someone insults me or they cut me off or they, whatever, if I'm going to do this and think of myself less, it's, oh, Lord, I wonder what's going on in their heart. My heart breaks for, for, for that person. Uh, a kid the other day said something very hurtful to my son, and, and I, I, my mind went to, thank God it went to, oh, my gosh, my heart breaks for that kid. Hey, buddy, are you all right? Um, have you forgiven him? Tell, tell me what's going on in your heart. And and so I did. I wasn't. How dare you say this to me? It was. And my heart breaks for you, kid. What's going on at home? It was classic, though. He he told my son, I'm gonna beat you up. These are eight-year-olds. I'm gonna beat you up. Just wait till we get in the parking lot. And then my son didn't back down. And looked. And I, I think he said something like, How about I punch you in the face or something? that? I'm not proud of this. Or he goes, he goes how, about, how about I put something in your mouth? <laughs> and, and so the kid, he goes, hey man, you're cool. So it turns out that the kid, had, without giving out too much about him, grew up in a rough home. And when someone met him where he was at and spoke the same language, they became friends. Isn't that cool? Sometimes when, when children grow up in rough homes, they, they don't identify with loving, tender talk. And, well, speaking to them on their own language, they, they, identify, they identified with that. It was amazing. Oh, perf- oh here, okay, so here's the, the big tie-in with Romans 8. Okay, he talks about the atheists might get their self-image from being a good person. The Buddhists also perform... Performance leads to the verdict. Performance is always leading to the verdict in, in all religions except for the gospel. Because if you're a Muslim... Performance leads to verdict. And I've asked, we've had, we've had a Muslim on the show, and he talked about the scales, right? We're, that if we do good works, then our good works will outweigh our, our, our bad things. And a, a Muslim on the show said that. That's a performance leads to verdict mentality. He said all this means that from day to day, you're in the courtroom where where the performance leads to the verdict. So if I'm not performing, then I won't feel I won't feel uh, good about myself. Keller says, this is the problem. But what Paul is saying in the gospel, in Christianity, is that the verdict leads to the performance. It's completely opposite. So, in all of the religions, its performance, its doing good works, leads to the verdict of, now I'm accepted. But for the gospel, it's the opposite. The verdict is, Christ has declared me righteous. Verdict. Case closed. Over and out. Done. And then now I can live in light of that verdict. And it says it right here. Boom. Romans 8, one. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ver- case closed. Done. So I can live every day in light of that. I'm affirmed. I'm accepted into the Beloved. It's done. It's finished. I can go bravely in the battle now. So that's that's what this book's all about. There you go. The freedom of self-forgetfulness by Today Fabcasters. All right, this is our bar. Peace out.